It's the podcast at moresportsnow.com. We cover both sides of the Hudson. Steve Tichner joining me in the studio is Matt Lachlan. And on the line to talk about the big game and, of course, a little bit of the Giants from the New York Daily News, Pat Leonard. And, Pat, welcome back to the show. Stephen, Matt, thank you for having me on. Big game coming up, big game, two high-powered offenses, the great Tom Brady. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'll throw this out at you. We know what we're getting on Sunday from number 12. We know what we're getting from Tom Brady. So I'll ask you this. Do you think we can get the same thing from a young Jared Goff? Will he match what Tom Brady does like Nick Foles did last year? Great question. Uh, You know, I I was impressed with what Goff showed me and showed everybody in the NFC Championship game because I think there was the same question just about him going up against Drew Brees, especially on the road uh, in the Superdome in New Orleans. And even though Goff didn't dominate the entire game as a quarterback, he made some throws at the end of that game, particularly under pressure um, with some bodies on him even that really showed me that the moment was not too big for him. So uh, to answer your question directly, though, I'm not sure anybody can have the game Nick Foles had last year. Yeah, he was, was pretty incredible. With Brady. Mm-hmm. So I think Goff could be good enough to help them win, but I don't think he's going to totally shred the Patriots defense for four quarters. I think it's going to be like he did in New Orleans, if if they do win, making plays, but definitely the Rams relying on the run game and the defense is going to have to make stops, just like the Eagles defense, uh, you know, made a stop at the end of the Super Bowl last year. Even though they didn't make many, they did make one. Yeah, they did. How much? How much is Brady in everyone's head? You know, uh, you know, I hear some of the Rams' comments, and he hasn't seen speed like us in the combination that we have on our defensive line, and we're going to get to him. I wonder, just because of his greatness, and let's be honest, his smugness, like, does that is that an edge? Like, teams just are over geared for him at times. <laughs> they get out of yeah, their well, own you know, I, comfort zone, if you will. Yeah. No, I think. Well, I think it's. Athletes, you can't fool athletes, right? And they all know that if they were the one who had been to, who was in the Super Bowl for the ninth time, looking to win their sixth championship, that they would have an edge on everybody else. So conversely, they understand fully, no matter how prepared they are, that Brady is that much more prepared than they are, I think, you know, at least subconsciously, even if they're not thinking of it that way. Um, so I think they're trying to look for any edge possible. And the one thing I do agree with now, I don't know about, uh, you know, Nickel Roby Coleman, um, you know, the guy who drop kicked Tommy Lee Lewis, basically uh, <laughs> calling out Brady for being too old. I'm not sure that's smart, but I do think that the Rams uh, path to winning this game is connected directly to their interior pass rush led by Aaron Donald. And the fact that I think LA knows that if they're going to win this, it may be because they can get Brady off of that spot inside the pocket because he's not a Patrick Mahomes running around throwing left-handed passes. So I think they know that their strength may lie on defense in pushing the middle of the Patriots' offensive line. And if they do that, they can disrupt what New England does. And, Pat, something doesn't shake out about Todd Gurley here. I mean, is the left knee 100%? I'm thinking it's not. I mean, 13 uh, yards 
against New Orleans. What do you think's going on there? I mean, he's the star of this team. I mean, he had a one week, he had over 200 yards against the Broncos. Now he's going to take a complete backseat in the biggest game of his life. And I, I, hey, look, he's a humble guy, I guess. It's like, hey, it's not about me. It's about the team, which is great, but just something doesn't add up. Do you think there's something up with that knee? I definitely think the knee is clearly part of it, but I actually had kind of the opposite reaction of a lot of people in that NFC championship game. I thought that when Gurley came out and dropped those two passes, one of which led to an interception, I thought McVay was just kind of saying, Hey, you know, here's a guy who I was going to keep on a snap count already. Definitely because of the knee, but he looked healthy to me running around. It just seemed like he was hurting them and he wasn't doing his part as a receiver. And so I think McVay was thinking, hey, like let's give CJ a chance. They already had drives planned for him. And then Anderson did well. And then there was just kind of like, hey, take the names off the back of the jersey. Who's helping us win today? So, you know, I don't know. The, I know as much as the next guy as far as really how severe the knee was for that game. But I, I think when you go back and look at it, if you look how they were using Gurley in the beginning of the game, it didn't look like they were going to have him on too much of a snap count. It just looked like he was their running back, same as always. And then he started dropping these passes, and then they kind of switched it up. So, I, you know, I could be wrong about that. Um, and definitely he's such a good player uh, that no matter what, you want him on the field. So I think that's a lot of people's point is that if he's not injured, how can you rationalize that? And I, I understand that. Um, but it's not like they, you know, they did give him some carries. He did score. Um, and so he was a part of it, just not as big of a part of it. And I think that was possibly related as much to how well he was playing as well as his injury. Well, we'll certainly find out uh, in the days to come and on Sunday for sure. Uh, what What do you like about golf in this situation? Um, you know, everyone's going to be focused on, on Tom Brady, of course. But, I mean, his first three years, now in his third year in the league, he's just been terrific. There was that question, you know, who, who should be drafted? Who's going to be the, the, the number one guy out of that draft at the quarterback spot? What has impressed you about this kid? You know, it's funny, I, watching, um, you know, when they were on um, Hard Knocks back when, and um, anytime I see like a behind the scenes of Goff, or even if you just see a, an interview of him, he strikes me as so young off the football field. And I know a lot of these guys are young, right? I mean, he's 24 years old, so he's a young guy in general, but he strikes me. He's even got that baby face. And so I almost look at him when I see the Brady versus Goff matchup, for example, and I look at him and say, what, this kid? <laughs> but I think the New Orleans game especially, and the way that this season, even though the Rams came out guns blazing and the offense was setting records along with the Chiefs and all that, and you had the Rams-Chiefs uh, shootout in L.A., Goff really struggled in a stretch down the second half of that season, and the Rams did with him. And I think that, you know, it was no secret that Goff was behind their struggles when they lost to the Bears in Chicago, only scored six points, and then lost to Philly the next week. And in those combined weeks, he had no touchdown passes and five losses, or five interceptions. And I really liked that he came out of that. Um, you know, they beat Arizona, they beat San Fran. He throws four touchdown passes in the finale in San Fran. And even though he was under 200 yards against Dallas, you know, they played the game they needed to there. They ran the ball and they ran it effectively. And so I think he's shown a lot of people this year. There's been some bad football on tape really early in his career under Jeff Fisher. Since McVay, of course, he has been a much different quarterback. But I like this year how 
it didn't all go perfectly for him. And now they're back here. So I do like that about what I saw from Goff. In addition to, as I said, at the end of the game in New Orleans, that game was there for both teams to lose. You know, that obviously the blown call was yeah. the blown call, mm-hmm. but yeah. Goff still really did have to make some plays to win, and he did it. I mean, you could argue not the blown call and then um, D Ford being offside. You could argue that these two teams shouldn't be in the Super Bowl, it should be New Orleans and Kansas City. Right? Oh, de- no, definitely. In fact, um, you know, I, I thought this was primed. At the beginning of the year, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. And part of the reason was because with the Super Bowl being inside in a dome in Atlanta, not far, not far from the Saints, and then thinking that they had a good enough team to get a home field advantage, you were going to have Breeze and the Saints basically playing in a dome through the entire playoffs. And I, number one, I thought that that was just going to be too much for anybody in the NFC, even the Rams, uh, to handle uh, with that home field advantage and all. Uh, but also, of course, if they if they don't make that call, then the Saints likely do win that game. But I, I subscribe to the theory of that there were a lot more things in that game, including the fact that everybody was complaining about the Chiefs not getting the ball in overtime. Well, the Saints got the ball first in their in right. overtime in the NFC Championship game, and Drew Brees threw an interception. So if Eli Manning did that, you know, everybody <laughs> would be – including me, would be criticizing him. But it uh, seems like people are forgetting uh, that pass by Breeze that got tipped by yeah. uh, Dante Fowler. Yeah, n- not you. You wouldn't You wouldn't be all over Eli. Come on. <laughs> no, no, I would never do that. <laughs> hey, listen, what do you think? What, what's the league going to do? Uh, will, will they do anything for Sunday's game? Uh, I, I guess they really can't. It's got to go through the pr- policies and procedures. But uh, what are they going to say? What are they going to do regarding that call in New Orleans that was so egregious uh, so that it doesn't happen Sunday? Do you hear anything? No, that, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I, definitely what I think is that they're going to have to, they're going to get all their ducks in a row as far as the officiating crew calling this game. Where are these refs from? Where are their connections, their strongest connections geographically? Because that story that came out uh, the middle of this week leading up to the Super Bowl um, about how four of the officials directly involved with that missed call had Southern California ties. Mm. That is the absolute last thing the uh, NFL wants. Right. A blown call is one thing, mm. but when you start hinting that the game could have been fixed, mm. that's where everything goes off the rails. And so there's nothing you can do, um, you know, as far as, I mean, you know, what's crazy about that, about that non-call, in addition to everything that people saw, is that the be- this year officials not only were told to um, basically give protections to receivers, but it was a point of emphasis really that any contact past five yards by a defender be whistled. Mm-hmm. They really are trying to get defenders' hands off of receivers at any cost. And so the fact that that is then blown in a season where that was an emphasis is crazy. So yeah. maybe for the Super Bowl, they say, listen, any type of contact like this, you call it. Yeah. But then that will have repercussions too. You know, it's all the it's the rule of unintended consequences. You don't want to get your hands too too far into it because you don't know where it's going to lead. Like the Patriots, for example, Stephon Gilmore and the like, they like to put their hands on guys and kind of get away with stuff, and they're kind of savvy with doing it. But if they do that in this game, will the Rams be running wild because they the officials set the tone and they call too much? Here's my my take: call the game the same way through the whole game. So if you're going to let everything go, let everything go. If you're going to call it tight, call it tight. But I can tell you, even going back to when I covered hockey, now when I cover football, I've covered other sports throughout my career. 
all the athletes want. They know that people are human when they ref games. They just want it to be consistent in the game they're playing. That's it. They don't care what the rule is, what it is, you know, whatever it is, just be consistent from the start of the first quarter to the end of the fourth. So, Pat, we're going to move on to some Giants and Jets, but let us uh, tell us uh, who do you like on Sunday? I like the Rams. I, wow. uh, yeah, and I also like, um, I got, got an email on all the odds for this game a couple of days ago, and it had Aaron Donald 20 to 1 as an MVP. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. where my money's going. Uh, I referenced it earlier, but um, the NFL research actually put out some interesting stats that Tom Brady's passer rating is. 63.1 versus interior pressure and 118.7 versus edge pressure. And the Rams defense leads the NFL in interior pressure rate at yeah. 16.6. And that's because of Donald and Sue. So I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. I think Goff will help them keep, uh, you know, keep, ta- you know, keep it, keep up with Brady along with the run game. But I think just like last season, um, when Brandon Graham got past Shaq Mason that one snap and got the ball out of Brady's hand, I think Aaron Donald's going to make that play at the end of this game to Brady and disrupt Brady and his pocket, and I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah, I thought that's the, what the Rams' chance was, is you know someone like uh, Donald getting to Brady. And you know when Brady gets bothered, he, the losses against the Giants in the Super Bowl, when he gets pressure, it's he's done. So I, I thought no that just it's amazing how an interior lineman – can get to a quarterback like Donald does. It's pretty amazing. So he is a freak on the field, no doubt. But I still like, I uh, just still like the experience of, of New England. Uh, the, you know, nine times now, it's just an experienced team against a team that's going in. And I guess you're assuming that Jared Goff, I mean, the biggest game of his life, because let's face it, the Super Bowl is a, is a national event. I mean, I guess you're assuming that he, he'll, he'll be able to handle that pressure. Yeah, I think, well, at the very least, I think that McVay is going to try to prevent um, scenarios from arising where Goff will put the ball up for grabs and, you know, kind of play it safe in that regard, but take some shots and establish a running game um, and just keep them close enough that they, he just needs to make a couple big plays like he did against the Saints. Let's uh, switch to the Giants now. And uh, they got the sixth pick and uh, what's it going to be? Pat, a signal caller? No, I I don't think so. At least. Um, they're definitely researching all these passers and doing their homework. That's for sure, because it has clearly dawned on Dave Gettleman and the Giants that they need um, to find Eli Manning's successor, and they need to find him now. But I honestly think, especially as we see now, that they seem ready to bring Eli back for another year. You know, we heard each Archie Manning, Archie Manning saying it himself. You know, if Eli's coming back, he's not coming back for another season like this. He's coming back to win. And I don't understand how it would help Eli to win in the short term if you would use that number six pick on a quarterback. Not to mention, Gettleman always goes best player available. He will tell you that, will tell anybody that. Mm -hmm. That's what he did last year with Saquon Barkley when he was Mm -hmm. trying to win now in 2018. And I think the best player available at number six, you can ask most people, is not going to be a quarterback. It's going to be likely a pass rusher. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess there's an argument to be made. Uh, that it could could be an offensive lineman like a Jonah Williams from Alabama or Andre Dillard from Washington, though they're more down the board. You're more looking at, you know, who knows how the top of the first round is going to go. You know people will reach for quarterbacks. So if a guy like Kyler Murray or Haskins goes high, you know, does a guy like Bosa fall or can the Giants trade up slightly for him? Kentucky's Josh Allen, Clemson's uh, Christian Wilkins. 
Um, there's a lot of names there, but I'm looking more at a position player that can help them now versus a quarterback. Though, if it is a quarterback, it would probably be Haskins. The only issue is, I think if it's Haskins, they might even have to trade up for him. And the Giants need so much depth. I don't know if they have the assets to trade up without trading somebody off their roster. Well, I think it it bears watching, certainly. I, I think Gettleman can play it both ways. I think he can draft for the future, but I, he, he can delve into free agency for the now. I mean, listen, let's let's be honest. When they went with Saquon Barkley and they backed Eli, they were saying we're trying to win now. That's obvious. So I think they can't veer from that course, but they've got to think of the future. So he could he not draft best player available knowing that two or three years from now there's no Eli, but I better get him some receivers and protection? Oh, de- no, definitely. Well, that's, you know, it's it's interesting because obviously I'm I'm in the camp of they should have found his successor last year, but now, like you said, you're on this track where you're trying to win now while you rebuild. So you kind of have one foot on either side of the line, and to get Eli to come back, I mean, he spent the last two years, you know, he he uh, was benched slash refused to play in one game. He's been questioned basically every week. When are you going to retire? Do, you know, have you lost a step? Do you have anything left? He doesn't want to go through that anymore. So. I really think that you need to put all your chips in to win now if you're going to tell Eli you're coming back mm. and we're winning because the Giants, you know, regardless of what their fans think, they are not one or two pieces away. No. And mm. listen, if Eli goes to this, takes this team to the Super Bowl this year, I will put my foot so far into my mouth and down my throat. <laughs> I won't be able to come on this podcast for a couple months after. <laughs> but, you know, I think they need to acquire players to help them win and then additional assets, not to get a guy who can, who they can groom for the future who can't help them now. That's if they're bringing Eli back. Um, I obviously would advocate for them maybe getting a Nick Foles and a free agency mm-hmm. and drafting a guy and kind of looking at this season as a season of developing for the future while also trying to win and improving your team. Uh, but it seems like the Giants are going a different course with sticking with Eli. That's how it seems now, anyway. Yeah, and that, that falls on Gettleman. But let's be honest, John Mara is calling that to it. So he had he has his fingerprints all over this. Uh, quick question about the Jets. I know time's uh, running tight for us. Uh, what what do you make of this Adam Gase hire? Um, my opinion on the Adam Gase hire is, I, it wouldn't been it wouldn't have been my first choice, but. I understand the rationale behind it. You know, I, I at least agree with the idea that Darnold and establishing him is the most important thing that you have to do. And so if you really believe that Gase is the guy to do that and to help Darnold grow from what already looks like a very promising skill set, then I'm all for at least taking a stab at that. Um, you know, interesting that McCarthy didn't become even more serious of a candidate. You know, it might have been a better idea for them to get a CEO type and then have an offensive coordinator who just lived with Darnold day in and day out. I'm also interested in the fact that Greg Williams and Gase being the the married pair, so to speak here, you know, I, I actually wondered as they hired them, would it have been better for them to hire Williams as the head coach and Gase as an OC versus Gase as the head coach and Williams as the DC? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. And, and would that have meant they didn't get Gase? I don't even know. Would someone else have hired Gase instead? Um, but I guess I, I'm i not sold on him being the right guy, but I at least see their rationale for hiring uh, an offensive mind who they believe can help their quarterback. But, you know, he hasn't developed a quarterback yet. So 
Uh, and also, of course, everyone has talked about it, but that introductory press conference was yeah. a little off the rails there. Yeah. Um, so we will uh, we will see. But the early indications are that I guess I would put it this way: Adam Gase needs to prove to me, like he has to prove the Jets fans, that he's the right guy. That's what I would say. And look, he's coming over from the same division, and he was sub 500 with the Dolphins. So, I mean, in terms of just success as a head coach, it's it's a bit of a head-scratcher in that way. But you can understand Sam Darnold was very happy about uh, the pick in terms of developing uh, the, the quarterback position. So, I mean, the, the positive is there. But, I mean, again, uh, as an offensive coordinator, sure. But as a head coach, is it a bit of a head-scratcher, Pat? Yeah, no, no, you make a good point. In fact, um, you know, some people in Miami were telling me that, you know, one of the issues he had as a coach down there was penalties. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was one or one a on the list of people's frustrations with Todd Bowles was that the jets week in and week out lack discipline would commit penalties. They'd say, Oh, we got to get, we got to do better. We got to get rid of this. And then the next week you see the same stuff crop up. So that's a concern. Um, and, and in Miami, frankly, I mean, there were, definite issues with players response to Gase and um, you know, players who definitely did not like playing for him or kind of respect the way he dealt with things. Now, obviously if you're, if you run a tight ship, you're going to get people who buck so to speak. And so that doesn't necessarily mean he's not the guy, but uh, there was a lot that came out of there. Um, They were, you know, they're hiding Tannehill's injury at one point, got a slap on the wrist for that. Um, So and players around the league like Jarvis Landry um, who had played for him who um, aren't exactly his biggest fan. So, but like I said, you know, this is, this is an, in, this is interesting. I think the Jets hiring Gase are in it for a longer, you know, they're definitely going to give him three or four years here, especially with presence of Darnold to show him what he's got. Um, but they need to improve the roster and the pressure's on McCagnan too now too. Because Gase is going to help develop Darnold, but then he's going to need more pieces to win. He's not going to just be able to turn this team around with the roster they have in place at the moment. Yeah, patience will have to be uh, shown, no question. And Jets fans are just about just about out of that. That That's for sure. Uh, what's the big story? Hey, look into the crystal ball. What's the big story this offseason in football? What do you think we're going to see when everybody gets back together in camp? Um, well, I think... I think Antonio Brown and and where he ends up getting traded because it looks like he definitely will get traded. I think Le'Veon Bell and where he signs, of course, and that could you know the Jets could be players in either of those. Um, obviously, they're you know culture and character concerns with both, but they also need to upgrade and they have a lot of cash space. Um, so do they spend and do they win sweepstakes for guys like that? Um, I know it's on the outside or it's uh, it's lower percentage, but you know, the giants and their draft right now and how they're re- retooling things. I I'm looking for, I think Gettleman's going to make some kind of major splash here that we don't see coming or that we don't know exactly how it's going to happen. So like I've mentioned it before, but the Oakland Raiders have three first round picks this year. I think with the giants needing talent and also lacking in depth, it would not surprise me if Gettleman made some sort of trade to acquire another first in this draft or even a third uh, because the Giants don't have a third-round pick because they used it on Sam Beal in the supplemental last year. Um, I don't know if Odell Beckham is the guy in play for a trade like that. I don't know if Olivier Vernon is in play in trades like that. You know, But um, I definitely think that 
the pressure is on Gettleman in a big way to turn this team around. And as we talked about to win now and without a third round pick in this draft, I'm not, you know, I just feel like he's going to have to get creative, especially if he's bringing Eli back to retool the offensive line and to build a blockbuster offense that can compete with the likes of teams like the Rams and the Patriots and the chiefs and the saints. So that would be my, my uh, prediction is that the giants are going to make a huge splash in some way to acquire more assets and get more players to help them win now. And maybe even their quarterback of the future as well, so that they could address both a quarterback and a position player in the first round, for example. And then the jets, I think they just have so much money to spend. They're bound to be in a lot of conversations and competitions for high end players. All right, one more from us, Pat, and then you got to go. This Sunday, you like the Rams. I'm guessing that's going to be a low-scoring game. Give us a score. No, I like uh, I like the Rams. I'll take the Rams in, uh, let's say, 34 to 31. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I yeah, like I'll that. Give, nice high no, scoring. I, I, I think, yeah, and I have, I, have, I have a lot of respect for Flores and the Patriots uh, defense. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Flores, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, but um, – I just think that the Rams balance running game and, you know, I look at this too as kind of the passing of the torch, so to speak. Sure. I know Doug Peterson dethroned Bill Belichick last year, but Sean McVay, the 33 year old, uh, you know, genius kid coach, so to speak, kind of taking the torch from Bill Belichick and carving out a game plan that uh, is able to compete with the greatest head coach of all time. Well, Pat, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you on and we'll, we'll uh, check in uh, in the off season with you for sure. Appreciate it, Matt and Steve. All right, Pat. Thanks, brother. And that's Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Always great to have him on and talk football with him. Uh, I don't agree with him, though. I just I don't see it. I I think I think New England with their experience with Tom Brady, knowing what he's going to do. I mean, this Jared Goff's the biggest game of his life. I always bring it down to the quarterbacks because it's always about in the end of the day. They're the ones who are going to lead their team to uh, victory. And I just see Brady doing it again. And I, I'm just not sure that the, they, that Goff will step up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting story to see how this young kid will handle the pressure. But at some point, and look, even some of the Patriot victories have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know, like, really, how did that happen, Seattle? Right. Um, so, so, hello, Falcons. Yeah, exactly. a 26-point lead, my goodness. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I think that despite all their success, and you go against Belichick and Brady and company at your own peril, uh, they're not perfect. We mm-hmm. know that. So, I, I I think LA's got a fighting chance. Uh, I, I think Kansas City you know, shot themselves uh, in the foot. Mm-hmm. I think that they showed that you can score on New England. I mean, it was a tight game until the fourth quarter, and then it was like the OK Corral shootout. Right. Uh, so I, I think LA has more than a fighting chance, and mm-hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my eggs in the in the LA basket. Nice. Well, listen. I mean, I, I'd like to see that. I mean, because like, I'd like to, as he said, you know, pass the torch, you smack yes. Brady right in the face. Listen, don't you? pass the torch, and yes, the the potential of those interior linemen, Sue and Donald, to get to 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 Brady is real. And if they do, and they bother him, he just doesn't. 
he can't handle pressure. They yeah. do a great job of protecting him, the Patriots, and they always figure it out. Well, that's so maybe it. this time they won't, and that's a possibility. If that happens, it's going to be a long afternoon or evening. So for Brady, so uh, so we'll see. I just uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. And you you know we we and again you know what you're getting from Tom Brady. What are we going to get from Jared Goff? That's the big question coming up this Sunday. So we'll see. It'll be a fun game, no doubt. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly. Should be a high-scoring one, and that's always interesting. I, I mean, I do love defensive battles when each series possibly game-determining, but let's face it, up and down a little bit is fun, too. Yeah, you know? no, it definitely is. And uh, we'd like to thank uh, Pat Leonard from uh, the New York Daily News for coming on with us once again. Terrific guest. And uh, that's it for uh, this week's show. This is moresportsnow.com. Check out our site. Check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter as well. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Steve Titchener, Matt Lachlan. Bye-bye.